0: Hello, women's hockey fans, and welcome to another episode of The Founding Four Podcast. I'm your host, Erica Lindsay Ayala. The Founding Four Podcast is an independently run women's hockey podcast. The name Founding Four comes from the original four teams of the NWHL, and we do talk a lot of NWHL here, but you can always check out our bonus episodes where we talk about other parts of girls and women's hockey. We have had PWHPA players like Katie Fitzgerald on the show, had a great interview with Doxie McCoy. She was one of the... Founding members of the Boston College women's ice hockey team. They were a club back then. So we're here. We have all kinds of women's hockey stuff, but we are going to focus on the NWHL for this, the 75th episode of the Founding Four podcast. Now, this is um, 75 episodes, including when I was with my original co host, Mike Murphy, and we were part of the Ice Garden. So stick taps to the Ice Garden, stick taps to Mike Murphy. But I gotta be honest, we're probably over 75 episodes, but these are just the ones that we count as quote unquote official episodes. So at least 75 episodes of the Ice Garden. Thank you so much to those who have been here on this ride since the beginning, back in the day when we were trying to figure out all the audio and technical issues we were having. We were on SoundCloud, again, still at the Ice Garden. And special stick taps to those who have stuck it out now that this is an independent podcast, something that I do with my own money. Speaking of, it's not really all my money because I have an amazing Patreon posse that helps me put this show together week by week and month by month because of their donations, because of their subscription to the Sports Talk with ELA Podcast Network over on Patreon. I, I can't say enough how thankful I am to the Patreon posse. We have patrons like Jessica, Jennifer, Catherine, I should say Jessica L and Jessica A, Catherine, Taylor, Elise, Mike, Nate, Dan, Birch, Christina, thank you so much. And there are many more, but I'm just running down the list of the names that I had in front of me. Thank you so much for your contributions and your belief in this product. We have a lot more coming to Sports Talk with ELA outside of just hockey. I'm really excited for an in-depth analysis of Maya Moore and her decision to sit out the WNBA season for a second consecutive year. I had a conversation with Maya in the fall and really admire what she's doing and I feel that sometimes it's underreported maybe uh, the reasons why and, and actually the work that it takes to do what Maya Moore is trying to do in the criminal justice field so check all of that out patrons get first listens usually raw raw edits so you get to hear what the athletes are thinking before I put that out for the interwebs. So just wanted to give a thanks. You can follow the founding Four podcast at founding Four pod on Twitter. And you can always, of course, follow me at elindsay08. Let's get into the week that was in the NWHL. As far as signings, we had a few more PTOs for the Connecticut Whale in particular. And again, I'm really trying to get a grasp on the PTO situation because we saw that Lauren Hill again on a PTO. We saw that Alexa Armbrew has signed with the Connecticut Whale. We mentioned that last episode, I believe, that I was hearing that we wouldn't get too many more PTOs, but we would get a signing. Alexa armbrew played for the Riveters. She also was part of the PWHPA and I think was slated to play in the upcoming Philly tournament. I think that's actually this weekend. I will be in Pennsylvania, but in Pittsburgh, so I'll be missing that one. But we um, are still trying to get, I'm still trying to get a handle on exactly how PTOs are used because I think At least the way I would see a PTO, Connecticut's dangerously close to being out of their allotted 10 PTOs. That is, that every appearance that a player who is not signed to the roster is dressed, that counts as one PTO. So if you dress for multiple games, such as a weekend slate, if you dress for two games, that's two PTOs, even if it's just for one player. I'm trying to get some clarification on that. but. We'll see. We'll see what we have here. But so the new player for the Connecticut Whale was Lacombe. And she comes from that's Allie Lacombe. Allie Lacombe. She played for Syracuse. Um, and she is originally from Minnesota, but she is doing some work with the Nashville Junior Predators. Um, as well as the Hockey Lab. So she's out of Nashville. Lacombe had a pretty good weekend with the Connecticut Whale. She is a forward, um, and the Connecticut Whale, we'll get into a little bit of what they did, but Lacombe, listed as a PTO, joined that top line with Emma Vlasic and Grace Kleinbach for the weekend tilt against the Riveters. In other signing news, of course, Alexa Armbru signed a full-out contract with the the Metropolitan Riveters, or excuse me, with the Connecticut Whale against her former team, the Metropolitan Riveters. And again, Lauren Hill was named um, as another PTO for the Connecticut Whale. So again, still trying to get some info on that. It's a little unclear. I have reached out to the league, waiting to hear back. Also waiting to hear back, talking of rosters, we saw that yet again, it was Brooke Waleiko and Cassandra Cassie-Goyette who were listed for the Connecticut Whale. The Whale had been rolling with Sonia Shelley a lot in the beginning of the season, talked about this last episode, but now they've relied on Brooke Woleko. Now, I think that is a pretty good choice. I have said in lots of the Twitter chats and elsewhere that I think the Connecticut Whale really need to find their goaltender and kind of stick with that. It looks like Woleko might be that person, but it also is interesting to me that Goyette, who had not dressed very much, in the beginning of the season, has been getting more time dressed on the bench. But particularly on Saturdays, I reached out to see if that was maybe just a conflict with the league, the way things work. We know that. Players have other responsibilities. It's not unusual to see that players uh, can only play on certain weekends and, and whatnot. Players like Kelly Nash, while she was coaching at Princeton, Megan Duggan from first season. Uh, of course, Kelly Stedman, one of the most famous practice players in the NWHL until they got rid of practice players altogether. Uh, also had some conflicts while she was coming up in the ranks as an executive and now coach in college hockey so it's not unusual to see that but uh, we haven't really been given any any rationale of course it could just be playing you know and that's a coach's decision which is fine but trying to nail that down so stay tuned we'll try to see if we can find out a little bit of what the coaching staff colton or laura brennan is thinking about their goaltending situation all right so We teased a little bit. Now let's just go ahead and get into what we saw in the NWHL this past week. So this is the last weekend. Uh, These games would have been the last weekend prior to the All-Star break. So we're in All-Star break right now. What did we have? Let me tell you. We're going to do this. We had a big matchup. Two big matchups, truly. So let's just start with the Buffalo Buttes had a bye going into All-Star Weekend and in this uh, essentially All-Star break. So they were not on the ice, but you had the Minnesota Whitecaps hosting the Boston Pride and the Metropolitan Riveters hosting the Connecticut Whale. And both weekends in New Jersey and in Minnesota were splits Yes, we saw splits. So the Connecticut Whale get their second win of the season last weekend and the Boston Pride get their first loss of the season in the last weekend. If you missed the NWHL action, oh boy, did you miss a lot. Let's first get into what happened in New Jersey. On Saturday, January 25th, the Riveters hosted the Connecticut Whale and the Whale in a shootout for the second time this season. Brooke Wileko helps the Connecticut Whale get to a shootout. This time she gets the win. Let's give you the scoring breakdown. We get goals in the first period from both the Riveters and the Connecticut Whale. It was Emma Vlasic early, first two minutes of the game, Emma Vlasic from Lauren Hill, from Laurel Hill, excuse me. I keep saying Lauren Hill like, you know, the singer. Laurel Hill, excuse me. From Laurel Hill gets Connecticut up 1-0. Then Kate Leary, assisted by Madison Packer and Ashley Johnston, the OG pair. Leary gets the game tying goal 7 minutes in both even strength goals. That's all she wrote for regulation, folks. Then we go into an eight-round shootout. Worth saying that in this game, it was, you had for Connecticut, again, Brooke Waleco, for the Riveters, as usual and expected, we saw Sam Walther. So in regulation, Brooke Waleco, she made 34 saves on 35 shots faced for Sam Walther. She made 28 saves on 29 shots faced. So we've seen some, some you know, disparity between what the Whale's been able to do as far as putting shots on net. This wasn't too bad. But let's go back to the summary. So we go into OT, nothing. We go into the shootout, eight rounds. Weber- And Shatalova for the Whale and Riveters, respectively, nothing. Emma Vlasic, Kate Leary, the two goal scorers, go head-to-head in the second round, nothing. Allie Lacombe, the newcomer for the Connecticut Whale against the veteran Madison Packer, nothing. So far, Sam Walther and Brooke Wileko holding it down, just as they did throughout the whole game. Then you get Alexa Armbrew, newcomer to the whale against Rebecca Moose Morse. She's now a, a, a veteran, also one of uh, the practice players from back in the day. Now she's an alternate captain. Nothing in the fourth round. We go to round five. Elena Gualteri for the Connecticut Whale up against Kendall Cornine, a.k.a. Score Nine, except not this time. Both Brooke Wileko and Sam Walther come up big. We go to round six. Casey Anderson, Kelly Nash, nothing. Then we go to round seven. We get a few defenders. Shannon Doyle, Mallory Rushton, nothing. And then in round eight, Brooke Avery for the Riveters, Sarah Schwensfire for the Connecticut Whale. Schwensfire connects. Avery doesn't. That's the game. 2 1 in favor of the Connecticut Whale. That was quite the game. But simultaneously, simultaneously happening out in Minnesota was another amazing game. We had some great hockey in the NWHL on Twitch on Saturday, January 25th. Again, 19-0 coming into the game. It was a blackout game in Minnesota. Tria rink full of Minnesota Whitecaps fans, all blacked out, all black everything, ready to defeat the streak. Could they do it? I already told you they did. Yes, they did it on Saturday. In the first period, Minnesota gets on the board. Jonna Curtis, she's an all-star, from Bouillet and Thunstrom, gets at the 13 minute mark just over the 13 minute mark then McKenna Brand as she is on brand ties the game 17 50 remaining in the first period. We're all tied up at 1 after 1. Second period, we get a get it shorty. Get in shouting. So great great song. Anyway, Megan Lawrence gets things going for Minnesota. Megan Lawrence we have some news about her coming up later in the show from Nicole Shamel. She puts Minnesota ahead two to one, but it wouldn't last in the third period. Jillian Dempsey, captain of the Pride, captain of Team Dempsey in the NWHL All Star game coming up, she gets it all tied up in the third period. 621 on the clock from Christina Putinia and McKenna Brand. McKenna Brand. And Putinia, they both pick up their second point of the game. And it's Audra Richards. I know I wanted her to get some assists this season, but she gets a goal. She gets the the go-ahead goal for the Minnesota Whitecaps, 11-24. 11-24 into the, into the third period. Minnesota is up, but not for long. Jillian Dempsey, she wants more. Her second goal of the game at 1903. Even strength, even strength with an extra attacker. The Boston Pride score the game-tying goal. 19.03 left, but it would not last. Seven seconds later, Allie Thunstrom unassisted. It's 4-3 Minnesota, and that's all she wrote. The streak is over. First star of the game. Allie Thunstrom, she gets a goal and an assist, two points. Jillian Dempsey, that second star, also with two points with those two goals. McKenna Brand, she had one goal, two assists for three points. Can you tell that it? I'm fired up? Can you tell that it was fired up in Minnesota? That was Saturday. we got the a streak ends. We get a second win for Connecticut. Could it last? These two teams... I should say these four teams go up against each other again on Sunday. Well, we had two four to two games and both were and one was in favor of the home team. One was in favor of the away team. The Boston Pride were able to defeat the Minnesota Whitecaps. 4-2 on Sunday. The Connecticut Whale fall to the Metropolitan Riveters, 4-2 on Sunday. So both series are a split, and that takes us into the All-Star break, folks. But amazing games, amazing games. Allie Thunstrom, she had two goals in the loss, the only two goals uh, for the Connecticut Whale. In the loss, we saw goals from Schwensfire again. She had the shootout winner. And Emma Vlasic. For the Metropolitan Riveters, they had four goals. Four different players, including two defenders, including Kilduff, who I thought had an amazing weekend. She had an amazing weekend the week before. Kilduff gets the scoring started for the Riveters. They get the win, but a bit of a bittersweet win. We see early in the game, Sam Walther, a.k.a. Walther, goes down, looks like a lower body injury. She's out for the game, reports on Twitch and on the broadcast that she returned to the ice on crutches, on crutches. So that means that it had to be Dana DiMartino. Now, the Riveters only have two rostered goalies. One is Sam Walther. Dana DiMartino now with her team on her back. Has to come up big. Does she do it? Yes, she does. Brooke Waleco in this game. 25 saves on 29 shots faced. So we do see back-to-back starts for Brooke Waleco. As far as the Riveters, Dana DiMartino. She gets 15 saves out of 17 shots faced. Sam Walther made eight saves, a a perfect eight for eight before leaving with injury. Of course, we want to wish Sam Walther well. We'll have to see what that report is looking like. Also means, though, if I'm not mistaken, that we need another goalie. We might need another goalie for the All-Star game because right now, Let's look at these rosters. I just thought of this. I'm thinking of this as as I'm speaking, as I'm recording, folks. If I'm not mistaken, Sam Walther is a goalie. I believe she's a goalie for Team Packer. So we got we to gotta figure out what's going to happen here. There's no reports. There have been reports that Hannah Beatty and, as I mentioned earlier, Megan Lawrence, they are pinch-hitting for two players. Um, so... Hannah Beatty is going to take the place of Jordan Brickner. Jordan Brickner went to the All-Star Game by way of being one of the eight original NWHLers in season five. She unfortunately suffered an injury early in the season, has not returned to the ice, and will not participate in the NWHL All-Star Weekend. Also, Sydney Baldwin. Now, it's listed as both Brickner and... Baldwin are unavailable again my theory is that Brickner is unavailable due to injury not sure if Sydney Baldwin perhaps had a conflict we'll work to find that out for everyone but Hannah Beatty pinch hits for her teammate Jordan Brickner and Megan Lawrence will pinch it for her Minnesota Whitecaps teammate Sydney Baldwin so that's what we have there I want to go back to these all-star rosters because again, with, with Sam Walther experiencing an injury, that might mean that might mean that we need to get another goalie. That's right. Team Packer is Amanda Levier and Sam Walther. And goalies for Team Dempsey, Mariah Fujimagari and Lovisa Salander. So Fujimagari Salander and Levier not available. Do we see Dana DiMartino Martino go for her teammate? I honestly think it should be Brooke Willeco or Shelly Sonia Shelley. Um because they've seen more time. I don't know. But that is all dependent on if Sam Walther is available or not so that's tbd folks i'm gonna work to find out some of that for you okay where are we at so that's the recap let's get our standings so we're already in the all-star break as we approach all-star weekend this weekend that's january or excuse me um next weekend is all-star weekend so February 8th and 9th. So this weekend, NWHL is off. Next weekend, Saturday, February 8th at 8 p.m. is the All-Star Skills Challenge. And then Sunday, February 9th at 2.30 at Warrior Ice Arena in Boston, we have Team Packer versus Team Dempsey. Another quick thing, we got some news. The NWHL for the first time, apparently because of high demand, is going to have... A skate with the All-Stars. That's right. That's right. Right before the main event. You can skate with the NWHL All-Stars at 11.15 a.m. at Warrior Ice Arena. All right, folks. It's been a long time coming. As a fan-turned-broadcaster-turned-podcaster-turned-writer, I've been wanting to skate with the NWHL All-Stars for quite some time. We finally get it. At the big event, that's right. Let's make this All-Star Weekend an actual event. Skills competition, great. All-Star Game, amazing. Everyone coming into town, meeting up with each other, fantastic. But yeah, we want more events, right? We want more events. And so the NWHL is, is able to do that this year. 11.15 a.m., fans of all ages and skating ability are invited to participate in a one-hour skate at Warrior Ice Arena with their NWHL heroes including Captain Jillian Dempsey and several of her teammates of the Boston Pride along with Riveters and All-Star Captain Madison Packer and many NWHL favorites. I am so excited for this. There's also some Twitter back and forth. A few of the broadcasters. I will be working alongside Sam Fryman, Alexis Pearson, and Kelly Schultz. So it's it's hashtag Team Boston versus hashtag hashtag Team Minnesota Minnesota, uh, for the broadcast team. We're thinking of hitting the ice as well. I've already had a few requests, Kelly and I, to get a mic, get out there. All right, here's the thing, folks. I can definitely skate. There's another thing. Recording equipment is expensive. So I'm a little bit nervous to put my own recording equipment out there. But you know what? I've reached out to to some pros. Uh, The Riveters Media Group. They've been doing some amazing hashtag content, including a Mic'd Up series. I reached out to the Riveters. This is all via Twitter. It's not officially official, but I'm shooting my shot. So I'm hoping that we can somehow figure out to, how to do a mic'd up. Audra Richards has already said that she's willing to swap. In my in my book, that means that she's got to do some commentary. I might get out there on the ice. Kelly, maybe Sam, maybe Alexis, who knows, we'll get out on the ice. Audra Richards has volunteered as tribute to give some analysis. So we'll see if we can get it done, folks. Do you like this idea? Let us know. Tweet at Founding4Pod, tweet at Kelly Schultz and myself. Let us know what you think. Who do you want us to interview? Do you, What do you want us to do? I can skate, last I checked, can't shoot. No idea what to do with a hockey stick or a puck or any of that. So I don't know. But, you know, no time like the present to learn. So we'll see what happens with that. All right, folks. Coming up, we're going to... Coming up, I have my interview. We did a great interview Speaking of all stars, speaking of rock stars, speaking of amazing women, we're going to hear from Shelly Picard in a little bit, a little bit later in the show. Hey, everyone, thank you for listening to another awesome episode of the Founding Four podcast. Just a few moments, you're going to hear an interview with Shelly Picard. Shelly is semi-retired gotta listen to find out shelly picard played with the riveters for three seasons seasons two three and four won an isabel cup in 2018 with the riveters and now is the new deputy director and director of player development of the national women's hockey league we talk about what her role encompasses how she got uh, the role, and also coming off of playing for the national team, being a part of hashtag for the game, and then making the decision to take this position. It's the deputy commissioner position in the NWHL. Shelley Picard talks about it all. Here on the Founding Four Pod. So, if you want more amazing stuff like this, more amazing interviews, a breakdown and analysis of what's happening in the NWHL and across women's hockey, please go over to Sports Talk with ELA on Patreon, become a part of the Patreon posse, and let's keep this show going strong. But without further ado, let's get back to this episode. Bye! Alright folks, shortly I'm going to play the interview with Shelley Picard. Just a few things I want to get out of the way before we hear Shelly speak. Of course, you know that we always have the NWHL VEDA Player of the Week. Are we surprised? It's Allie Thunstrom. Boston College alumna from Maplewood, Minnesota. Been playing with the Whitecaps for years. Everyone knows she's a speed skater, but she's much, much more than that. We've had her on the podcast before. She is your NWHL VEDA player of the week going into the bye week or all-star break. And then she will, yes, indeed, she will be at all-star weekend. I'll try to see if if I can get a few tips from Allie on, on how to get my speed up. And then hopefully she can also teach me how to stop. Anyway, that's what we have there. As far as other news, Told you about the skate. That's exciting. I do want to mention something. We had the NHL All-Star Weekend. They had an elite women's three-on-three tournament. It was amazing. Members of Team Canada and Team USA hit the ice, had a 20-minute with a a running clock. Eh, I I would have liked it to to be more time and not with a running clock, but whatever. Uh, Team Canada gets that win over Team USA at the NHL All-Star Game, which was, of course, in St. Louis, home of the Blues and the reigning Stanley Cup champions. That was exciting. What was not so exciting was some comments that Cassie Campbell Pascal made. She said the following, I've heard different things and I've been kind of doing my research and I'm no lawyer by any means, but I think what a lot of lawyers and agents are saying to these players That they cannot now sign with the NWHL. And the reason being is that they they can potentially be liable to the investors. They don't know what kind of contracts she, Danny Ryland, has signed with those investors. They don't know if they would be liable to potentially pay those business people back. I mean... They are investors. They want money back. Those were comments by Cassie Campbell Pascal on the Sportsnet telecast Friday at the All-Star Weekend, at the NHL All-Star Weekend. The NWHL on Monday put out their own statement in response to those comments. The NWHL response reads, The NWHL usually does not respond to untruths and damaging comments, but we feel this one should be addressed. Campbell Pascal and Sportsnet use the occasion of a great moment for women's hockey to float absurd lies about our league, which works every day to build a business and illustrate the value of women's professional hockey so that there is no misunderstanding. The reports by Sportsnet is illogical. The statement that players may be personally liable to investors in our league is inaccurate and not in the in and not in line. Excuse me with laws in either the United States or Canada. So let us be clear. Under no circumstances are NWHL players liable to NWHL investors. And the comment goes on. Anyone who follows me on Twitter knows I was pretty worked up. I was actually in Canada when these comments were made. I was at an event. And... (laughs) Where to even start? Uh, Where to even start? Uh, The comments that I think Cassie Campbell, they come uh, with, it was kind of a litany of things that Cassie Campbell Pascal was saying about the elite women's game, about their being players from USA hockey and hockey Canada not playing in the NWHL. And I think that's all fair game. I think, um, you know, she was kind of taking the opportunity to really push for, a women's league that in her mind and this is not new to Cassie Campbell uh, involves the NHL and that new league that Premier League is in her mind the WNHL I don't agree with all of her comments that she said on the broadcast but I've, I'm certainly not surprised by them and I think that for a while there she really was talking about things that I think anyone in women's hockey believes that women's hockey players deserve better however In the statement that I read from the the League release, that is where she crossed the line. And I say this as someone who comes from the nonprofit sector, the NWHL is a limited liability corporation or an LLC. So I'm not a lawyer, but I have studied lots of different business structures as a part of my professional training. My college degrees, my master's degrees, my professional experience, and my interests lie in learning about small businesses, particularly on the nonprofit side, but they're very much intertwined. and so for her to say um, that she's heard and that she's done her research and that she's hearing from lawyers and agents that they're telling players, presumably PWHPA players and other players, not to sign because they could be liable. <sighs> that, that's not, that, I mean, again, the NWHL statement kind of hits on it. I'm just adding that that is irresponsible, It's irresponsible reporting. And Cassie Campbell Pascal is not the only person that is irresponsibly reporting about women's hockey right now. It's one thing to have your opinion. It's even, you know, it's even fine and within your realm um, or within, you know, your prerogative to decide and opt not to cover a particular league. Because, you know what, I'm very disheartened by it but everyone from photographers to different podcasts to different media outlets have truly decided not to cover the nwhl any longer and that again is a personal choice that you can make i would argue that it's not necessarily is a personal choice you can make um i certainly don't cover the pwhpa as much as the nwhl um and that is something that i reconcile with um And I know that not everyone can cover everything because we are limited by um, what we have access to. So I do want to say that. But I'm talking about people who can cover, have covered the CWHL and the NWHL when they both existed and are choosing not to cover the NWHL while the PWHPA is around. And quite honestly, those people who are choosing not to cover the PWHPA That's not good for women's hockey. And this, these comments from Cassie Campbell Pascal are not good for women's hockey. And neither are the people that are latching on to these comments in total. Again, there were things that Cassie Campbell said on that broadcast that I didn't necessarily agree with, that I didn't find surprising. But for people to not separate and call out this particular comment was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And for me, one of the lower points in covering women's hockey. And it's been a rough, it's been a rough go since March. And this was one of the lower points. And so I'm glad that the NWHL said something. I'm glad that other people said something because I was worked up. I'm not an athlete. I'm not here on the ice. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an agent. And I'm not an owner. But I put in my own money, my own time, And I personally invest in women's hockey. And for this to come from someone who is on the Hockey Hall of Fame board, she's able to vote people into the Hockey Hall of Fame, only woman. For someone who is revered in Canada for her time, and rightfully so, playing for the national team, playing in the CWHL, being on the board of governors for the CWHL, for that to come out of her mouth? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Regardless of my difference of opinion, I have lots of questions about the PWHPA that I've asked Jaina Hefford, that I've asked Kendall Coyne Schofield, that I've asked Katie Fitzgerald, that I've asked Kimberly Sass, Shannon Zabados, Hillary Knight, a bunch of other people. I also have questions about the NWHL, that I asked Danny Ryland, that I asked Julian Dempsey, that you'll hear on this podcast. I ask of Shelley Picard. Having an opinion is fine. Spouting lies is bad for the game, and it's unprofessional. And that is what I have to say about that. So on that high note, <laughs> let's get into this interview with Shelley Picard. As I mentioned, I do talk to Shelley Picard about her involvement in For the Game. I talk to her about her new role as deputy director. And you'll get to hear what she's doing this weekend. So not only do we have the NWHL All-Star Game or excuse me, that's not only do we have the NWHL All-Star Game coming up, but Shelly Picard will also be representing the NWHL at an upcoming rivalry series. So the rivalry series is starting back up. We have, again, Hockey Canada, USA Hockey. USA Hockey and Hockey Canada right now are in training camp, and then we'll see the rivalry series resume. This time, it's going out west. So, they'll be in Anaheim, in Victoria, BC, and um, where else are they going to be? They're in Anaheim, they're in Vancouver, and Victoria, BC. So, we have February 3rd in Victoria, BC, February 5th in Vancouver, and then the rivalry series, the fifth game of the rivalry series, will be in Anaheim, California. February 8th, so that's the weekend that overlaps with the NWHL All-Star Weekend, so you'll hear a little bit from Shelly about what she will be doing in Anaheim that weekend. Right now, the Women's National Team of the United States is in Irvine, California, at their Great Park Ice facility for their training, Um, I believe Hockey Canada also in training right now, so... Exciting times for women's hockey. Unfortunately, though, sometimes women's hockey has to check people in women's hockey. So I'm glad that the NWHL has done that. And we should continue to do so. I'm tired of the lies. I posted this on Twitter. I've been doing my part to try and fact check. We're, we're not going to do these alternative facts anymore, folks. And if I can be a part of that, I want to. And you know what? For a while, I'll be honest. I was, I was worried that people would... Call me out on any biases that they presumed that I had. I try my best not to have biases, but I'm human, right? I felt the same way when I started covering the NWHL because I'm a Riveters fan. It took me a while to even say that out loud, but it's true. I'm a Riveters fan. You can check the tape. Me and my sister in season one, making signs in the rafters, meeting the families. It was amazing. But I can... I, I, I do... I put in a lot of work to make sure that regardless of my biases to a team or even to individual players and how they play, that I'm always fair. Women's hockey deserves fair coverage. You can have your biases, you can have your preferences, and you can spend your money however you'd like. But we can't afford these lies. can't afford it anymore so with that let's set the record straight we'll end this episode of the founding four podcast with my interview with michelle shelley picard until next week folks later all right on the founding four podcast i think this is your debut i don't think we've had you (laughs) on the pod before michelle shelley picard welcome to the founding four podcast Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I don't think I was on it as a player, so yeah, I'm excited for my debut. <laughs> and no, not a day too soon, not a moment too soon. You, of course, were, as we closed out 2019, were named deputy commissioner and director of player development for the NWHL. That position was formerly held by Haley Moore. So you're the second ever deputy commissioner. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, excited to be on board. Yeah, for sure. So why don't we start there? I, you know, I, I talked to Haley when she got this position, um, but I'll ask you a similar question. So it's kind of a 2 for. it sounds like. Deputy Commissioner, Director of Player Development. So what does that actually look like day to day? Right now, it's a lot of
1: communication with uh, the GMs of the different Teams, um, just staying in touch with them, trying to keep a, a pulse on what's going on and being a support for them if they need anything, um, and sort of being a, a go between between the, the teams and uh, Danny, and just trying to support wherever wherever i can and right now actually it's a lot of learning on my end um but hopefully going forward i can take the training the idea is that i take the training wheels off and and can be a, a big support to the gms um and then as far as like the player development side of things it's just working with uh listening to you know the GMs and uh, you know, the the players association about like what their what their wants are, what could be helpful, and how how I can support players. Um, but then also working with Danny and other like members of the like league office about what we can do to to better. Um, provide for our players and make sure that they're getting the support that they need, and they can be—they're um, developing as players in their, you know, professional career. Um, so we can help move their game forward. Um, so those are the sort of two parts of main main parts of my my
0: job. Okay. So let's pull back a little bit. Um of course you played in the NWHL Captained the Riveters and won and won a championship there. That that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it was a good run with the Riveters. It was
1: very fortunate.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Captain Picard, I know all the all the <laughs> all the jokes now, and we'll have to yes. we'll have to get into a little bit of uh of Star Trek here. There's actually a, a, a new Picard show premiering. I should have asked for a a a sponsorship before I got you on the podcast didn't think of it (laughs) but we'll we'll talk a little bit we'll have a little fun too but but going back to your playing career because now you'll kind of as you just said be in that front office role and and be responsible for kind of taking the feedback that you're hearing from players and and bringing that to the front office and, and figuring out how to make that work for both sides um you know, when when you were, were playing with the Riveters, I mean, what were some of the things that, you know, it, it, that you and, and your team were really excited about when it came to the NWHL? And 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 how do you hope to take some of that experience that you had as a player into your role now? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, um just getting
1: to continue to play hockey uh, at a high level after you graduate uh, from college, and knowing that there is a step beyond college, um, that was obviously super exciting. But then also just um, you know getting to be with among like amazing women and learning about like their roles and their jobs and how to, you know all figuring out together how to balance you know working and playing. Um, and just having that sort of outlet uh, after a day of work, and so um, I think that was like that was the that was the best part, being able to have that camaraderie um, uh, even after the college days were over, and then getting to compete for an Isabel Cup, um, and and still, and so you, just that I guess that was it, just being able to, because you know going through um, college, like there wasn't really, you just thought, okay, that would be sort of the end of it. Um, And then having this this opportunity to continue to play and to play for something um, a really meaningful way. Uh, That was the that was the biggest draw as a player. And so now on the other side of it, getting to uh, help provide that opportunity for, for players coming out of college.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's still we're still seeing how, how that's going to play out. I mean, we the league has gotten to five seasons, which is great. But I think that, you know, is just one person's right or, or one that's just one class of a uh, college player from freshman year to, to to their senior year, so so now you will have to build that foundation. Um, and and I'm I'm excited to see how that's gonna go. But also, you know, you talked a little bit about the players' association, and of course, you have Anya now a Packer that's uh, heading that up. Mm-hmm. And now that she's retired as well, um, you know what are you imagining that that relationship specifically with your role will be with Anya and the players association when it comes to, I mean, some of the things that that we saw the league and the the players association do in the off season was like the revenue share and, Mm -hmm. and come up with a different contract. Um, you know, as you're learning, you said you still have the training wheels on, but what is that relationship right now with the PA and, and how do you think that will grow and continue? Yeah, I mean, uh, just listening to some of the wants of the players, and but also, what are some
1: what are some of the things right now? They're like, okay, this is the situation now, but this is how we think maybe it could be better, or what we struggle with right now. Um, and hearing all those things, and then figuring out um, with Anya and with Danny, and and um, at the front office, like, okay, what we hear these things now, what can we what can we realistically do um, to make this a better player experience, um, but also making sure that we're um, helping our players get better? I think that's like the biggest thing is what can we provide um, to make sure that players are taken care of in terms of a medical standpoint, uh, strength and conditioning standpoint, and just um, just an overall experience standpoint. And so a lot of listening and then problem solving. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and I do want to, as I said, we're we're bouncing around here um, because you know I, I want to um, also talk about you that decision again to to kind of uh, again it seems like retire. So let me ask first of all, are you officially retired? Because we see sometimes folks retire and they're not really retired. What's your take on the retirement? <laughs>
1: I struggle to use the word retire mm-hmm. uh, yeah
0: <laughs> um,
1: but I am not playing um, and I don't have any intentions to play again.
0: <laughs> okay so uh. just just shy of retired <laughs> <laughs> um, Yes yeah <laughs> okay so there's still hope we can dust off the the Picard 27 jerseys just in case. <laughs> yeah you can keep them handy no. okay yeah, so if you're always uh you know if you stay ready you never have to get ready okay fans you heard it here, so not officially <laughs> retired, although there are no plans in the immediate future to yeah. play hockey again okay, so but I mean even asking a pretty straightforward question, I could tell that was something that is is still hard for you so um you know, I think that the timing of everything. How much did that uh, play into your decision to, you know, uh, kind of step away from playing the game? And what I mean by that, of course, is you uh, finished out the season with the Riveters last year. You were also with the U.S. national team. So you had, um, you know, been working your way back to the U.S. national team. Um, And you went to world championships, but right before – Uh, all of the athletes left for Worlds, we got the news that the CWHL closed. And then there was a lot of conversation about what that would mean for women's hockey. And that ultimately led to the For the Game movement. So that was all happening, um, you know, in a very short amount of time. We really go from like the end of March um, through early May when all of this is happening. So first, just take me back to that moment (laughs) you you hear of course you did not play in the cwhl but Mm -hmm. you um i mean that's that's still women's hockey so when you heard that news what was going through your mind
1: uh well yeah i mean it was shocking to hear that news and it was also um it was um it was, it was just sort of like, because it came out of nowhere, I was just like, oh my goodness, you know, what is happening? Why did it happen? How did this happen? Um, what does this mean for the the bigger, you know, scope of things? But so it just led for me, like, I don't know, I guess uneasiness is the right word about like, okay, you know, what, just why? Um, and I'm feeling for, you know, I had teammates on the national team who played in the CWHL. So like, you know, feeling, um, bad for them and like and how they found out and um realizing that they potentially didn't have a put like just having to figure out the next steps for themselves um but then we left for world and so I was sort of able to like put that on the back burner and not like I had a really good excuse for two weeks to just like not think about it not deal with it um and just play hockey um and then coming back um I for my own like personal like trying to figure out um what I wanted to do and what was right for me, um, just as a person. And so like all the transitions of different things going on with, um, in the women's hockey world, but then also myself of like really enjoying coaching and trying to decide, like, did I want to dive into that and figuring out what was right for me. Um, and so I sort of decided that I wanted to go wholeheartedly into coaching. Um, and so that was my decision, um, at that point in, in the summer, uh, I think, I forget exactly when I, you know, when that happened for me, but at some point over the summer when I was like, All right, I'm just going to focus on my coaching because I really enjoy that, really like that. And that's how I feel like right now um, I can best, uh, like put my best foot forward. Um,
0: yeah. And, and then- I want to stay there for a minute because even before Worlds, I mean, I had spoken to you a few times before you left, including at the, um, I guess there was a... Um, You had a camp in Long Island and, you know, you had made some transitions uh, from you had also (laughs) been, you know, doing some some teaching work and stuff. And you were trying to even at that point in time figure out what was the right balance between being an athlete, right, being an elite Mm -hmm. level competitive athlete but also this coaching and we had a really uh, long conversation about that. And, and so, um, I just find it interesting that, you know, that, that kind of was the, the, the deciding factor.
1: Um, yeah, I I mean, for, um, Oh gosh, for a while, I've had this sort of, what is it like for me, just figuring out what it is that I enjoy doing, what I want to do. And like, I've always obviously loved playing hockey, um, I mean, it's been a a huge part of my life for my entire life. Um, But it's also been um, like I've always, you know, had school or and then after I graduated from school, like did it while teaching. And um, and so this transition into coaching, when I started to get into coaching, um, really just like fell in love with it and had to sort of figure out, you know, do I want to continue to do both and keep coaching in a minimal way so that way I can continue to play. Um, But then I just decided that I wanted to go fully into it. And, um, now I'm really enjoying it. So
0: (laughs) it's worked out so far. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. And I do want to get back to that because I think there's, there's a lot of conversation about women in coaching and even women coaching girls and women's sports. So I want to keep that in the parking lot, but I do want to walk through because I mean, we have to, we have to keep it real, right? I mean, this has been the conversation since the end of March, like what is happening with um, women's ice hockey. And I think it is important to just allow each individual athlete to, to walk through that timeline. So we, we know that again, at, at you were with the national team and, you know, the for the game, movement sparked and then that has evolved to the pwhpa Um, you know, that is something that, uh, you know, with the rest of the national team is something that you committed to. But, you know, uh, as someone who has done some investigatory journalism here, you know, I did notice that, and and you and I actually spoke about this um, when we saw each other before the new year, that there was like a break that you took, at least, you know, from social media. And, um, you know, it it sounded like uh, from whether it was you kind of trying to figure out what you wanted to do as a coach or even individually as a player that there was a process that you went through and, you know, who or what uh, was that process like? Yeah. Um, but specifically when it came to knowing that there was a lot happening in the women's hockey world and, and you know, um, how did you kind of reflect on all of that while also trying to figure out how you're going to, you know, make your own choices when it came to coaching? <laughs> right. Yeah. I
1: mean, <laughs> uh, it was a very confusing time. Uh, absolutely. Um, and, and just trying to figure out, okay, what is what is the right thing to do? Um, and, and sort of getting there's a lot of everybody had their own opinions on things. And um, so just trying to navigate all the different things that you're hearing. And um, even for myself, like trying to get answers and trying to figure out what the right thing was for me to do, regardless of like what other players were doing, what other, um, and what other people were saying. Um, and so, yeah, I originally, um, was a part of the, the players who were saying they weren't going to play. Um, and then as time went on, just still trying to gather more information, um, of like, and, and still just like, not really sure. Um, And then uh, that's sort of when I was like, okay, I'm going to take the step back, just focus on coaching and and maybe things will start to become clearer and I can make a more um, wholehearted decision about what I wanted to do. Um, And as time went on um, and I sort of was able to reflect on my time in the NWHL and and all that it had provided for me and sort of realizing that um, I Personally, had no issues with the NWHL, um, and was like really grateful for everything that it provided for me in terms of um, an awesome experience after college, and um, in terms of getting to play, getting to play, like I said, getting to play for an Isabel Cup, getting to meet incredible women um, that I'm sure will be my best friends for you know a long time, Um, and then also just knowing that there are incredible people putting in um, a lot of hard work day after day to make this make the NWHL an uh, amazing league for all players and and to make it a league that players were proud to be a part of. And um, just sort of knowing that that work was going into it. um, I sort of had this change of heart of, um, you know what, I want to, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of, yeah, maybe right now the league isn't in a place where, um, you know, it's it's in a place where some people don't want to be a part of it um, and that's okay. Uh, But we want to make, we want to put the work in uh, to make it a league that players do want to be a part of and are proud to be a part of. Yeah. I don't know. Does that make sense? <laughs> that was <Yeah>. long, but <laughs> No,
0: it makes sense. And again, I think it's important to allow players to, regardless of, uh, even as you said, where they kind of land on this, you know, quote unquote spectrum or sides, to just as, as they're willing and able to share their perspective. Because I think what has been difficult for the entire women's hockey community is that, I mean, some voices... And I I, I don't mean, I I mean, truly, I mean like social media voices, not necessarily uh, individual people. But I think the social media back back and forth um, can make the picture seem a little bit... a uh, divisive. Uh, and I do want to ask you, do you do you feel that that is appropriate um, an appropriate uh, depiction of what is happening? I mean you obviously are in communication with NWHL players. you have teammates that have played in PWHPA showcases and are on you know the board there. Um, what's your take on on kind of that rift that seems to be prominent when we look on social media?
1: Um, I think it's just way too complicated of a situation. For there to be like just two sides or um straightforward opinions and thoughts and um and so i think it's just too simplistic to think about it as like one side or the other and i think the people that are all involved um have very different or, i mean regardless of where they fall whether they play for the nwhl or they're part of the pwhpa right i think there's um varying thoughts about like what where we are and how we can how we can move forward um and so I think it's just too complicated to say, like, for me, I think it's just all about, um, all of us figuring it out, uh, and, and respecting like the player's decision to, to be a part of the PWHPA and knowing that it's because right now women's hockey, we're not in a place where we want to be. Um, and so, okay, how do we get to the place where we want to be?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, um, you know, but now you have the opportunity to be on the side that, or uh, I mean, not the side, but in a position, I should say. You get to be in a position where you can potentially have direct impact on weaving through some of the, the complication that exists now and and forging ahead to a different future. Um, so, but before we get there, I'm very curious as to, so you are coming off of Worlds. Uh, you are deciding to really push forward with your, your, co- uh, your coaching career. And, you know, there's all of this, as you said, um, and I think it was very well said, uh, lots of different ways of looking at the the current women's hockey landscape. So then you know, we, we flash forward to December and and you get this role, but when did, when were you contacted? Was this something that you were seeking? Like how, how did, uh, how did this all come about?
1: Um, (laughs) I forget the timeline exactly, but, um, Haley reached out, um, asking if, if if I wanted to talk at all. And, um, and we just, and that's sort of how it started. And then, um, we just continued with conversations and I got to learn more about, you know, what was going on with the NWHL and, uh, what this, what this role would entail. Um, my, my, my responsibility, um, right now is with the the colonials in terms of like, that's, you know, that's my, uh, that's the commitment that I'd made. And I wanted to make sure that I'd be able to fulfill both. Um, and so when it became clear that I would be able to do both, um, I was really excited by the opportunity to, um, be a part of, of, of helping, um, you know, helping this league, the NWHL grow and, and become, um, a better league for players and fans. And, um, and so that was, I think like the most exciting part is just really being able to be a part of, be a part of it.
0: Yeah. And so here we are. And so we're not, not quite a month, I guess, especially with all of the holidays in there. Um, into the mm. role um, but the the Boston Pride which is a team if I remember it correctly you volunteered for the pride in their first <laughs> season right I did yes correct <laughs> I was their scorekeeper at uh, at the Harvard rink <laughs> that's crazy while you were a student of course um, yeah so I mean we're we're here now the Boston Pride is just they're, they're crushing it I think it's uh we're up to 19 and oh right now um the riveters your former team have seen some of the fan favorites and we're holding off on on uh on shelly picard it could could happen it could (laughs) happen folks but (laughs) i'm gonna just like rile up the whole like fandom right now but
1: uh don't hold your breath
0: (laughs) i mean hey it could happen so we we see the return of kelly nash you know stretch johnston uh we see the return of, of Janine Weber. There's just a lot of excitement um, in the league. What strikes you um, as, as some of the highlights and, and things that have uh, really impressed you about this uh, season five? Yeah, I think it's um, the energy
1: um, of like just interacting with with players and um, having this, you know, some of the fan favorites come back. And um, there's just this sense of excitement around the league and um, that there are improvements being made and like, okay, what, you know, where are we going from here? Like there's an effort being made to make this a better experience for players. And so um, like, I guess it's okay. These improvements are being made. And so now what's next. Mm And, and just like, Seeing the the people coming back uh, like Janine and Stretch and Kira and Kelly um, and just knowing that like they enjoyed being a part of the league and want to be a part of it again um, and help it continue to grow. And so um, that's been the coolest thing to see, to just see, I guess, the genuine excitement that players have
0: yeah and this is a question that you know i'll be making my way around to to all the ogs but um you you came into the league as i as i just mentioned you were a volunteer um in season one but then you played seasons two through four if i'm not mistaken so Mm -hmm. um i wonder if there is a sense of responsibility um, I think regardless, of, again, of, of where we kind of are in the world when it comes to women's hockey, I get the sense from players that they do feel the responsibility for for the game, for the team and even for the league that they're playing in. Um, can you maybe just describe what what that means to you as far as a responsibility to make sure that the, the, the sport, but also in this case, the NWHL is better than it was when you entered as a, as a rookie?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think that was, for me, like, deciding to take this role, um, that was a big part of it, like, reflecting on just the experience that I had while playing in the NWHL, um, and wanting to, to be a part of, like, one, giving back to, and being grateful and thanking for that experience, but also now, okay, I can now be a part of, um, helping it continue to grow, um, and, and really wanting to because of the great experience that, that I had. Um, so that's, that was for me personally. I don't
0: know if that makes sense, but. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I am curious because, you know, this is a role, you're filling some pretty big shoes. I mean, Haley Moore is like, you know, she's, she's pretty yeah. legit. She's pretty legit and has yeah. done amazing things. She's now, of course, back with the Boston Pride. But when it comes to, if you think about either as a player, as a coach, um, you know, through your professional career, what are the things that you're, what are the muscles, so to speak, right? The professional muscles that you're really excited to kind of flex a little in this position. Um, goodness. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Brag on yourself a little, Shelly. I know you hate doing this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would, I have to say, well, learning from Haley, a hundred percent learning from Haley, learning from Danny, um, even like the GMs learning what their day to day is, uh, and how we can, how we can help and support there. But, um, I think the biggest thing is sort of, um, listening to all of the different, uh, perspectives and opinions and areas of feedback, um, and then kind of working, okay, how do we hear all of this and, um, then create whether it's, uh, or make decisions that are going to have a positive impact, um, for an entire team or the league or fans. Um, and so taking in all of, all of this information and then making a decision, um, that's really going to provide a positive impact. Um, so I guess the professional, I forget how you word the question, but I guess, um, problem solving is probably the biggest.
0: Okay, <laughs> communication and problem solving. I don't <laughs> Yeah, that works. That's important. Mm. That's important. I'm excited to. It seems like you also want to take like a a little bit of an analytical approach in that you want to be able to absorb information and then make sure that anything that you're implementing is is done thoughtfully. That's what I got Correct. from that. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. All right. <laughs> Very well said. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I I have always been impressed by you Shelley. Um, and so I'm really I'm really excited for you in this position and excited to to see what you do. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. well, we're gonna have a little bit of fun. I remember one time you were actually uh, the Captain Picard hashtag I first saw <laughs> when you were the captain of the NWHL team that played against USA hockey. I believe yep. that was in Tampa. Yep. And so the Captain Picard and it like took me a minute because, you know, I don't I'm I'm not really into to Star Trek. I think it's yeah, it's Star Trek, not wars. OK, Star Trek. Yeah. I'm going to get railed for that. But um, <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, so how how familiar are you with, you know, the, the Captain Picard storyline? I'm sure you of all people with the last name Picard got that a lot growing up. <laughs> I <laughs> yes
1: I have uh, received that quite a bit I think my first time being I think I, uh, in high school was my first experience with being a captain and um, um, none of my high school friends made the joke but like my parents did and then <laughs> in college uh, when I became captain again and then you have a little bit bigger of a fan base in terms of who's watching college hockey um, and so that's when it started a little bit with fans but I think it really exploded um, and became, uh, popular with yeah that experience the team NWHL when we played in Tampa um, that was probably the biggest time <laughs> that I was called Cap like it really caught on
0: <laughs> yeah so and of course the Captain Picard Star Trek it that is a role that Patrick Stewart has played for a number of years including I I do know I I see you know the billboard ads and and whatnot so there is actually a specific Picard. Sh- uh, there's a a TV series. And if I'm not mistaken, it premieres tomorrow, which is just perfect timing. Um, but Patrick Stewart, I mean, you know, he's played also, uh, Professor Xavier. I mean, are you, because you have this connection to him now, naturally, um, (laughs) you know, do you, do you keep up with, with any of the, the Star Treks or, or the X-Men series?
1: I unfortunately do not. But, you know, after you're saying that, I feel bad. I probably
0: should because <laughs> I'm sure he's keeping up with my naturally. Well. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we're going to make sure of that. We're going to we're going to put put the tweet, the, all the tweets out there. And make sure, it's like, come on, you know, this is what this Captain Picard's doing. What what you got going on, Patrick? <laughs> just like that, just like that. Uh, right. Perfect. <laughs> you, you'll be uh, good chums. The NWHL All-Star Game alluded to this earlier. It's coming back to Boston, and you basically are from the Boston area. Um, what are you most excited about when it comes to what is billed as team packer versus team dempsey
1: (laughs) um i am most excited for i mean it's going to be a showdown so i think like it the game itself will be fun but the whole weekend um is just it's always a ton of fun i mean i was lucky enough to to participate in two of them and so just knowing like how much fun it is for the players and fans and Um, even players, families get to go and, and have this experience. Um, and so I guess that's, I'm most excited for the players to be able to, to have that experience, um, in Boston such a great city as well. (laughs) Yeah,
0: for sure. And you know, the, the two captains, you know them relatively well. Um, so I, I know better than to ask you to, you know, choose. I don't think you would do that even, (laughs) even if you weren't in your current role, but, but what, uh, what do you think will be maybe the the difference of, of style and approach between, uh, Captain Packer and Captain Dempsey? (laughs) Um, both, um,
1: incredibly passionate um, and so I would I would imagine um, that both teams will be the, both captains will get their teams ready to go to play a spirited game I would say um, it, as in terms of playing I think Jillian Jill Dempsey's approach is like you know the the speedy forward who's going to buzz around and, and make things happen versus um, Packer being a little bit more of a um uh, how do you say it like a little more of the, on the physical side of things uh, making things happen in that way. So I don't know if that type of that'll carry to the rest of their teams um, but as far as them as players, <laughs> I think that's what we can expect um, but it should be it should be a competitive weekend and a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I am curious though do you think anyone will ever, um, be able to have like a like a stare down with with Dempsey and and successfully be the last person on the ice or off the ice I should say while Dempsey's on the ice because I see like she, you know she does her little zigzag she takes her time I'm just <laughs> curious like has anyone ever tried to you know to duper and 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 um, make sure that they were the last off the ice
1: <laughs> I don't know they they might want to try though it might get her off her game <laughs>
0: right try it in the skills comp you know I just noticed that I'd be a little scared I feel like even she'd be like Erica you, you know you got to go first right I'm like uh, all, right, all right Dems I don't want no problems yeah she doesn't she does not sway from
1: her her routine so good luck to whoever tries it
0: excellent well I think that's that's all I have as always it's a pleasure to talk with you Shelly I'm really excited for as I said what is to come And to spend more time hanging out, uh, will you be at the all-star game?
1: Um, I actually, I unfortunately will not be at the all-star game, but I'm, uh, it's because I will be, um, at a USA hockey women's leadership conference in Anaheim. Oh, Uh, oh,
0: nice.
1: yeah, so I, uh, unfortunately it's the same weekend. Um, but I'm really excited for that opportunity to, uh, learn from some incredible women and be in the same sort of room with, Um, people who hold, you know, our leadership positions in women's hockey and, and, you know, different capacities. But, um, so all just sort of talking and learning from each other, um, so it should be a great weekend, but unfortunately, I'll have to keep tabs on the all-star weekend from afar.
0: That, well, I mean, you know, Boston, Anaheim, this time of year, you know, there, there's there's a, the give and take, right? Um, yeah, I can't complain. For sure. Yeah, I saw actually that they're having that leadership conference, which I guess coincides with some of the rivalry series games. So will you be able to, to check out uh, the rivalry series while you're out there?
1: Yes, I will. Uh, I get to go to the one, I think it's the Saturday night game. Uh, so I'm looking forward to
0: that. It should be great. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm very excited to see how, how this rivalry series plays out. I think, you know, you've seen both teams, uh, that is Hockey Canada and USA Hockey, kind of sway to a younger roster, Either whether it was in Pittsburgh for what, uh, you know, replaced what would have been Four Nations and then when they were here on the East Coast uh, of North America. Um, so, I'm curious. I'm curious to see how it plays out.
1: Yeah, uh, me too. I'm sure everyone is. Yeah, all <laughs> But right. it will, I'm sure it will be a fantastic series, so we, we can look forward to that at least.
0: <laughs> oh, 100%. Alright, Shelley. Well, thanks. I think this was a great debut for uh, the Founding Four <laughs> pod, so we're excited to, uh, you know, give a little insight to what you're doing to the fans and um yeah we we'll have to have you on again sounds great thank you so much